Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about how do we deal with discouragement, disappointment, and all that stuff. Let's get started. It was a low point for Abraham, perhaps the lowest. The father of faith was despairing. You see, he had heard the voice of the Lord while living in Ur, spelled U-R, a place where the moon god was worshipped. But the true and living God had spoken to him, telling him to forsake all, to leave his home and family, and to travel to an unknown place. Well, Abraham, then called Abram, obeyed. At least he left. He took some family along, though, and at first they journeyed as far as Haran, H-A-R-A-N, about 600 miles to the northwest, along the Fertile Crescent. Some years later, after his father died, the Lord once again called him to travel onward to the land that he would inherit. And again, pulled up stakes along with his wife, nephew, and their entourage, caravanning to the modern-day land of Israel. Now, you're all probably familiar with the life of Abraham. You recall his journey into Egypt, his accumulation of great wealth, his longing for an heir, his courage, his fears, his deceptions, his integrity, and ultimately his love for God. But do you know that he came to a crisis of faith, a point of real despair? He lost his peace and was wavering. God had appeared and or spoken to him personally several times. You see that in Genesis 12 and 13. With great valor, he'd rescued Lot personally from an army of four kings with just his 318 servants. After this, he had been blessed by Melchizedek, who was a type or symbol, a manifestation of Jesus Christ. Talk about spiritual highs. But, but then the bottom fell out. This man of faith was not yet a man of abiding inward peace, and the two are inextricably linked. Abram feared greatly. We know this because right after these things, God spoke to him in a vision and said, quote, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Yes, Abram despaired and complained. The Lord said, quote, I am your exceeding great reward. To which Abraham replied, quote, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? In other words, I don't get it, Lord. I followed and served you. And what good has it done me? No family, no kids. I'm a hunted man, probably. Here I am alone in this place, and I've just made some long-term enemies. I don't get it. What good would it do to receive anything from you? I don't have anyone to pass it on to anyway. Quote, look, you've given me no offspring, he said. And save Christ alone. This is the condition of every heart among those on earth who truly follow the Lord at some time or times. That's because the Lord, who knows all and ultimately guides those who seek to follow him, also allows some incredibly difficult things to transpire in their lives. 
At this point, the Lord, unperturbed by Abraham's perturbations, gave him what we now call the Abrahamic covenant. First, he declared that he would make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens, and then that he would give to him and his descendants the entire land around him. After unilaterally guaranteeing this by cutting covenant with Abram, God declared that he would go to his fathers, quote, in peace. And this is my principal point. His peace, that's a capital H in his, became his peace, little h in his. This word peace is not understood well at all. That's because it's not of this world. And yet, it is what our hearts cry out for every moment of our earthly existence. In the Hebrew, it literally means to be safe and directly implies to be sound or well, to be content or happy, and my favorite, to be complete. In the Greek, it means to be joined or at one. Now, these last days in which we live... They are so evil, some would say treacherous, that you can just smell the flame. You can almost sense the heat, so to speak. Paul the Apostle wrote, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's in 2 Timothy 3. And this is speaking of those who wear a mask of godliness, if you would. How much worse the unabashed, unbelieving world. Evil times indeed. But the Bible positions God's peace as being opposite of evil. Quote, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. That's Isaiah 45, 7. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Isaiah 32, 17a. And that is why he says, quote, There is no peace, says the Lord, unto the wicked. Isaiah 48, 22. In this day, real peace is increasingly rare. In contrast, we who look to Jesus in sincerity have a grand promise. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Uh, By the way, for you Bible students, perfect peace in that verse here is literally peace, peace in the Hebrew, an amplified peace. This is the peace in the midst of the storm, so to speak. You might say this quality of soul is what was lost in Eden and what was made recoverable at Calvary is also a principal characteristic of God's thoughts toward you. He says, quote, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
That's Jeremiah 29.11. Now, the New King James Version says to give you future and hope. This security, this soundness, this contentedness and completeness, this unity with God is found powerfully and uniquely in Jesus Christ. He said to his disciples, quote, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John 14, 27. And these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's John 16, 33. So, God blessed Abraham exceedingly when he promised him that he would go to his fathers in peace. What he was saying was, you will go into the next life in safety, in security, in soundness, in completeness, and perfectly content. Wow! How can you die and yet be perfectly sound? How can you leave loved ones behind and yet be perfectly complete? How can you be absolutely content when your body fails? The peace of God. The first century church in Thessalonia lost their peace also. They were looking for the appearing of Christ, trusting in the promise that when Christ appeared, he'd snatch them up. And then deceitful teachers came and told them that, oops, you missed it. Christ came and left and you got left behind. Check out 2 Thessalonians 2 for that. Well, Paul set them straight with an awesome epistle and then concluded with these words, Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Believers of all ages have, upon occasion, lost their peace. That's one reason the Lord says, Seek peace and pursue it in Psalms 34, 14. In fact, although God is known in Scripture as the God of truth, of love, of knowledge, of glory, of mercy, of justice, of grace, of hope, of all comfort, of patience, of my strength, guess what? He's referred to most often in character as the God of peace. So how do you secure such peace, especially in times of turmoil, grief, or fear? You know, there was a radio announcer I used to like listening to while driving across the country. His name is Paul Harvey. His trademark was always to give you a few details of some story and temporarily leave you hanging. You always knew more was to come, and sure enough, after his ads were over, he'd tell you the conclusion of the matter, which was inevitably quite interesting and often uplifting. Anyway, he'd always finish with, and now you know the rest of the story. And that's what the Lord does too, sort of. You see, just as with Abraham and the Thessalonian believers, he's told us the rest of the story. Jesus is indeed coming again, and soon. He will reign on earth, and we will live forever with him in wonderful peace, heavenly peace. Now, don't get images of harps and clouds. Rather, remember, we're talking of perfect security, soundness, well-being, an awesome sense of completeness and unity with our Maker. 
That's where you'll find your peace. When you know him and believe him, when you know that despite desperate or discouraging circumstances, the end of the story is coming and it's perfect. And he will make all things right, whether you can imagine it now or not. In these last days, men's hearts, the Bible says, will fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. But you can rest. The end of the story is only the beginning of a grand existence that's too exciting, too wonderful, too fun, too joyful, too engaging, too huge to describe. As for now, don't hold your peace. Hold his and tell everyone about it. The scripture says, Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, says the Lord. Shalom, my friends. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast. And may you realize more of his grace today.